Возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к преддверию нашей надежды. Да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которая очертила десница Твоя для поклонения Святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, Всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество – все это да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего». Пропитай нас Духом Твоим Святым, позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки. Веди его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец и Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться. Евангелие Матфея. The book of Matthew 5:45 and 48, a familiar place of scripture that continues to contain the great mystery that opens up the greater, the wider, the higher, and will continue to be revealed for eternity without end. You can't understand any truth in its fullness because that means to fully understand God which who is eternal he will continually reveal himself and he will do so eternally that you may be sons of your father in heaven for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust therefore you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect Matthew 5:45 and 48. Here it explains what we need to be perfect in. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Call to Perfection. Practically, this word is a great commandment, which is the inheritance of saints of all times. And the commandment is specifically addressed by Christ to his students. And so, therefore, those who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of the person that is sent by God have no part to the inheritance contained in this commandment, and it is doubtful that they will ever be able to. As it relates to fulfilling the required commandment to be vigilant over the word of God within your heart, as God is vigilant over his spoken word in the temple of our body, we stop to study the following question. What specific goals does the righteousness of God pursue that abides within our heart? 
that we are called to collaborate with, and in part we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant, where we in the death of the Lord Jesus died by the law, for the law, so that we can receive justification in new tablets of the covenant, which symbolize the resurrection of Christ so that we can live for the one that died and resurrected. And in this we obtain confirmation of our salvation in new tablets of the covenant. In order to give God the proper foundation, this is the resurrection of Christ, these new tablets, so that He can give we can give God the proper foundation to be to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the law, but by the righteousness of faith, similar to how He gave it to Abraham and his seed. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Romans 4.13 The covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior in prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God that is spoken by word by his delegated ones. The word of God is, the faith of God is the word of God that we hear. This is the general. Our faith is the soldier that the warrior in prayer that gladly and uh, obeys, cheerfully obeys the general, the word of God that he hears. It is specifically by the means of the righteousness of faith that the covenant of peace in the format of the inheritance of peace is called to abide and be evidence within our heart that we are the children of God. As it is written, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 6, 7. When it's talking about to open up your prayers uh, with thanksgiving it's not talking about the things that are of the flesh but spirit if we meditate about the things of the flesh then those cannot be placed into Jesus Christ in Jesus Christ is our spiritual thoughts life, peace, righteousness those promises of God that God has placed upon our account in Jesus Christ the fruit of righteousness demonstrated to us within the atmosphere of the peace of God that is able to keep our mind in Christ Jesus is the glorious seal of God upon our foreheads, serving as testimony of the fact that we are the holiness of God and the personal possession of God and this seal of God reveals itself upon our foreheads with spiritual thinking or thinking of what is spiritual serving as an atmosphere of life and peace and is the mind of Christ within our spirit as it is written be To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 6 through 8. According to the given place of Scripture, we conclude that people who refuse the condition to have their faith obey the faith of God, that is, the words of the delegated of God, are the very haters of these are the very haters of Christ who have the mark of the beast upon their forehead, who do not have any relation to the infrastructure of the peace of God and are not able to have it, about which it is written, Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, this is a hater of Christ antichrist even now many antichrists have come these haters of christ have come by which we know that it is the last hour what is the hatred that they have for christ why are they antichrists they went out from us but they were not of us for if they had been 
of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. 1 John 2, 18, 19. And so these people do not have any part to the sons of peace that would have inherited the kingdom of heaven. We need to understand well that it is only by the collaboration of our spirit with our renewed mind that is in Christ Jesus that we are able to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ. That is at the door of our hope. But to receive it is something we need to do now and have within our heart. Because when God will be clothing, He will look into the heart. And if He sees it very clearly written upon the tablets of our heart, then this will happen. If it is not written there, if it's not clearly written, nothing will happen. By what signs do we examine ourselves that the peace of God rules within our heart, which then identifies us as the sons of God, and as the most holy because it is only by the rule of the peace of God within our heart that we can examine ourselves that we are truly the sons of God and so when the peace of God fills our hearts then nothing can dim, dim that or darken that no illnesses, circumstances sufferings and the more sufferings the brighter this peace of God glows or shines just as the stars in the sky the darker the night the brighter the star and so by this you can determine whether you have God's peace or not if something happens a little bit of wind some kind of trial and now you have no peace that means that you never had it Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, Matthew 5, 9. People that perform peace, peacemakers, that in their relationship with one another in brotherly love, do not spread rumors about one another, but the opposite, speak good about one another, and in this way they perform peace. When you say good about one another, you say, well, there's nothing good in that person. We can't speak good of Well, look at the only good thing you can find and talk about the good only. And uh, do not focus on imperfections. People fight with those imperfections, difficulties, things that they have going on. Uh, be considerate to an, an, every individual in this way. A person fights these things that he doesn't like in himself just as you fight them in yourself. In a particular format, we already looked at six of the signs, the consistency of which allows us to judge and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace and furthermore the sons of God, and we stopped to study the seventh sign, the ability to clothe our essence into the holy and selective love of God. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3, 14, 15. In Scripture, the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit. Selective, that meaning that means holy. It doesn't love everyone. It loves, it separates the one from the other. If a person has a hole for foxes and a nest for birds, this is the person, uh, God hates this person and will not allow this person to follow, follow God. This is, he loves the one that put the word of God into his heart. And to put the word of God into his heart, you need to first deal with those foxes 
and with the nests of birds that you have in yourself. And we talked about this. Now, if a person trusts more upon prophecies, so-called prophecies, than the preached word of God within the church, then he, he has foxes and holes for foxes. And if he has carnal a carnal mentality that he uh, is convinced that he needs to use pr- principles of faith to obtain or gain wealth, these uh, desires of the flesh, then he has these nests for birds in his mind. And so he cannot be then a stronghold for the Lord, and the Lord will never be a stronghold in this situation for him. And so in Scripture, the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven and changing virtues and characteristics by the preached word spoken by the apostles and prophets, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. These are written in 2 Peter 1, 2 through 8, and they identify the nature of God. And we are called to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, so that we have a similar nature, so that we have such a love that has these qualities. We already looked at five of the qualities that give us generous entry into the kingdom of heaven and stopped to study the sixth quality, which is which is identified as brotherly love. Relevant to this, we came to the necessity to study four classical questions. What do the scriptures say about the origin and nature of the essence of the fruit of virtue, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith? What purpose in demonstrating our in, the de- in demonstrating in our faith the love of God agape called to fulfill, coming from the atmosphere of brotherly love, what conditions do we need to fulfill in order to receive the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith, and by what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating brotherly love in our faith, that it lives within our heart, that it blooms within our heart, that it spreads and it's rooted in our heart. As the first two questions were already studied in the previous services, we have now been studying question three. We need to keep in mind that these conditions are an element of a whole and do not work one without the other. First condition, giving God the proper foundation to pour out His love, we studied this in the previous service, to pour out His love into our heart is our decision to be born from the imperishable seed of the preached to us word. Specifically, this decision and following it hunger to perform the will of God was foreseen and foreknown by God before the creation of the world, which provided God the proper grounds to identify us in advance so that He can we can then be in the likeness of His Son. Second condition, giving God the proper foundation to pour out His love into our heart within the atmosphere of brotherly love is to demonstrate salt as the fruit of holiness within your faith. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Matthew 5.13 According to the revelation of Scripture, the presence of salt representing the quality of holiness is formed in man because of his total dedication to God, which preceded total sanctification, making him an island that from all sides is washed by the purifying waters of sanctification. Specifically, presenting your body a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God for good service 
clothes us into the virtue of the fruit of holiness, which makes us a salt for the earth and therefore defines the soil of our heart as good and wise. For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have, sa- have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Mark 9, 49, 50, in order to have salt in yourself, we need to be upon the altar upon which there is a fire of the Holy Spirit. And in this fire, all that belongs to the flesh may be burned and can be brought to God as a pleasant aroma. Although all of the sheep by nature, as we talked about, are pure animals, the one that becomes holy, however, is the one that is separated for a burnt offering upon the altar of burnt offering, so that it can be seasoned with the salt of the covenant. And so what is pure is not always holy, but what is holy is always pure. Holy is separated for an offering. You don't separate the entire flock for an offering. You select one lamb, one sheep, and it be perfect, and there it have no blemish or anything else on it. This was a lamb that was young, a one-year-old lamb, typically was the one brought, and everything needed to be uh, perfect and it would be separated from the flock. Sheep as they are, they are uh, an animal that lives within a flock, and if you separate her, she can literally die from loneliness. And so they separate the lamb from the flock, and they keep her hungry three days. And only after that is it slaughtered and brought upon the altar. And so to be holy is to separate, separate yourself from the chaff of the flesh. And so when we are placed upon the altar of burnt offering and we're placed there alive, living, we uh, present our bodies a living sacrifice for our good service, we give the members of our body for the work of righteousness as we gave the members of our body to wickedness previously. And so we can conclude that if our offering, which is our prayer intercession, is not offered upon the fire of the altar of burnt offering so that it can be salted with the fire of holiness, we do not have the right then to be an intercessor in the status of a priest of God so that we can be intercessors uh, before him about the adoption of our body and this is the calling of every individual person that comes to God if you replace this calling with evangelism, good work practicing of spiritual gifts uh, rebuking of demons whatever other things uh, you might want to be doing Uh, you will lose your salvation because we are called to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ. And for this to happen, we need to cast off of ourselves the old man with his deeds and renew our mind so that it would become completely different so that it can collaborate with our new person because the state where we're not submerged into the death of Christ and the soul is not lost, our mind cannot collaborate with the new person. 
it will not listen to the new person. It will uh, present the revelations that are received as if from himself and state that the Holy Spirit is opening it to him, although the Holy Spirit never opened anything to him. And he then uh, calls anything intellectual coming from that mind as uh, spiritual and sometimes it can be even worse that demonic there's demonic spirits actually speaking uh, through that person everyone's called to prophesy to prophesy is when you pray the words of scripture you say the words of scripture you pray you sing the words of scripture that is prophesying but when you just say uh, random words and so if a prophecy is given I can uh, think about it uh, about this prophecy and when to proclaim it either now or later depending on the circumstance uh, to take this prophecy and study it according to the, the word because that's how prophecies are I received and so such people that don't have such a calling, they're not able to have the legitimate status to the right to enter into the presence of the Lord. Holiness is the state of our heart which demonstrates itself in the legitimate words of prayer which are concealed in the entrails of our spirit as the faith of God which are then followed by acts which draw God's favor upon us. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12.14 The attempt to demonstrate peace out of the boundary of holiness and not as, as a demonstration of holiness transforms us into the sons of resistance and destruction when we tolerantly begin to uh, behave to, toward those who hate the truth, who left their church and then we will share with them the same destruction that is waiting for them. Demonstrating the fruit of holiness in prayer is demonstrating the righteousness of faith, confirming our origin in God, giving us the right to make a new covenant with God, which is a covenant of eternal peace. Only holy people possess the legitimate right to present holy truth while fulfilling their sanctification that pursues the goal of dedication in order to serve the true and living God. I shall remind us that the word holy, when it comes to man, is one that is born from God, born for God, coming from God, belonging to God, abiding in God, the personal possession and holiness of God, redeemed by God, separated for God, dedicated to God, in the likeness of God, entering the lot of God or inheritance, inheriting one lot with God, sharing the power of authority with God. This is what holy means. And as we talked about, a holy God can never bear an unholy person. God is righteous. He in no way can bear an unrighteous person. Child, when we're born from the seed of the word of truth, we are born righteous and holy. This righteousness and this holiness are in the state of seed, in the, in the status of seeds, as guarantee. And then we are called to convert it, to, to, to put it to work so that it can profit us, so that we could receive this fruit. If we will not understand that, 
then our salvation will be lost. The word holy identifies the inner state of our heart, making our heart identical to the heart of God. At the same time, the word holiness identifies the demonstration of this state of the heart. So, the kind of state is the kind of demonstration you'll have of that state, which serves as an argument of our belonging and our origination in God and from God, which gives us the right to be warriors in prayer in the status of kings, priests, and prophets, giving God the proper foundation to bow down the heavens for us so that he can uh, show us his favor. Uphold my steps in your paths that my footsteps may not slip. I have called upon you, for you will hear me, O God, incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Psalm 17, 5, 6. What is according to his will, we uh, we ask what is according to his will, and we receive. God, uh, David asked God to incline his ear to him. And so that God may incline his ear to him, a person first needs to incline his ear to the preached word of God. If a person does not incline his ear to the preached word of God, with the intention to fulfill what God tells him, then it is in vain to say, God, incline your own ear. God won't hear the prayer of a sinner. He hears the prayer of a saint. In Scripture, the praying phrase, to bow down the heavens that is spoken by man to God, means he will incline his ear to the prayer of a man. He will listen attentively to a praying person. He will turn his eyes for good for the praying person because he has become a stronghold for Christ. There's no holes for foxes or nests for birds there. He will become a stronghold or a place of refuge for a warrior in prayer. He will become a covering for a praying person. He will occupy a circle of defense around a warrior in prayer. He will make the enemies of a warrior in prayer flee. He shall strike the enemies of a warrior in prayer. In order to provide God with the proper foundation to incline his ear to our prayers, it is necessary to present the argument of your origin in him in the grown by us fruit of holiness within the atmosphere of brotherly love as well as out of it. By now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life, Romans 6.22. According to this definition, we conclude that if a person does not become free from reigning sin or governing sin within his body, by the way of casting off the old man where he counts himself dead to sin and living for God, proclaiming that not-existent stronghold of incorruption or stronghold of immortality within his body and proclaim it does not existent as existent, he will not be able to become. If he is not proclaiming this, he will not be able to become a servant of God in order to demonstrate the salt of holiness and to comprehend the essence and difference between the definition of holy and the definition of holiness in our relationship with God. It is necessary for us to answer a series of questions. What does it make of itself and what is it? And how is the characteristic of the of the love of God and holiness identified? What purpose is the holiness of the love of God called to fulfill in the relationship of God with man and man with God? What price needs to be paid in order to demonstrate the love of God and holiness in order to collaborate with the holiness of God? And by what signs are we to examine ourselves that we have the presence of salt within ourselves indicating holiness? In a specific format, we already studied the first two questions. Therefore, we will immediately pay our attention to question three. What price needs to be paid in order to demonstrate the salt of holiness, which is the foundation and the atmosphere to collaborate with the holiness of God, 
identifying the love of God. Demonstrating the salt of holiness in your faith is the primary purpose and calling of a holy person. For the right to fulfill the role, it is necessary to pay the appropriate price demonstrated in the fulfillment of the holy commandments of the Lord. The fruit of holiness is the legitimate field for all forms and levels of relationships a man has with God and that a man has with other men. The price for the right to demonstrate holiness with will have multiple meanings, will be multifaceted, and be multifunctional. The price for the right to perform holiness never has any discounts or exceptions. We already looked at four of the components of the price giving us the right to perform holiness in demonstrating brotherly love in our faith and we stopped to study the fifth component of the price. Fifth component of the price consists in separating yourself from all that is unholy. For I am the Lord who brings you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy for I am holy. Leviticus 11.45 God has separated them from the Egyptians. If he would not have separated them, they would not have been able to perform holiness. They were holy, but they weren't able to perform that holiness. And to be able to perform holiness, God brought them out. I brought you out of Egypt so that you be holy, for I am holy. In the given command, it is referring to the format of God's separation or isolation from all that is not in accordance to his holiness. He says, I am holy. And so the holiness of, of God is called to abide in the heart of a man that is born from God within the boundaries of the commandments of the Lord, identifying the righteousness of God. The phrase, you shall therefore be holy, for I am holy, is presented in the format of a commanding order, exclusively for the nation of God or for the descendants of God that come from Him that are born from the seed of the word of truth. And this means that the creation of God is not always the nation of God <coughs> because angels are not children of God. Angels are servants, but they're not sons. And so the creation of God is not always the nation of God. At the same time, the nation of God is always the creation of God. Therefore, there lies and will always lie an endless gap between God's creation and the nation of God. Angels with a great desire would like to see or look in man what God has put there because they will know God whom they've never seen because he put that into his person because a person born from God when he will be growing he will demonstrate himself in the same qualities as God than in the nature of God and God the angels will be able to learn about him not seeing his face no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. John 1.18 People were able to see God uh, by looking at the face of His Son. When Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and this will be enough. He said, with sorrow, how much time I am with you and you don't know me, Philip. Do you not know that I am in the Father and the Father in me and having seen me, you've seen the Father? He was showing the nature of his father, but they wanted to see something uh, as Moses. And God said, if you want to see my face directly, uh, you will immediately die because you cannot in your state see me. Because the eyes... Uh, 
10,000 times more or more powerful than the sun's uh, power to be able to see. If you see, if you can imagine for yourself, you look at the sun, you feel like you're, you can't look at the sun uh, for a long period of time because you feel like you might be, uh, become blind from it. One prisoner asked, show me your God. And he, he said, you want to see him? Open your eyes and look at the sun and look for it for a whole minute and then you'll see him and he says for real and he said yeah and so he was for a couple of seconds looking at the sun but he couldn't look at it and he put his he turned away from the sun and he said but I'll become blind and he said so then how do you want to see God's face if if it's 10,000 times more powerful than the sun the one that can look at him is the one in his likeness. And so you can look you can look at the sun. He says, yes, with my spiritual eyes of my heart, I do look at the sun and I am reflecting what the sun reflects within spirit. And so although all that is visible and invisible, all of the visible and invisible creation, including the angels of the Lord, is the work of God's hands and God's belonging. As it is written, the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. The holiness of God is only the nation of God. Therefore, only those that are holy, that like God, separate themselves from all that is not holy, in accordance to the demands of His holiness, are able to see God. This holiness lies beyond the abilities and comprehensions of our regular mind. The essence of total sanctification that pursues the goal of total dedication to God, we began to study in the necessity to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, not bear with them the same yoke, the same weight, and not be under one yoke with them, not be in one with them. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness, and what accord has Christ with Belial, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever, or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, I will be their God and they shall be my people, therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. This is, of course, Apostle Peter, uh, Paul said, uh, took this from the prophecies of the law. The given command to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers is presented in five forbid, forbidden things that represent our sanctification, where we are called to demonstrate holiness. These are, it is forbidden for righteousness to have fellowship with lawlessness. It is forbidden for light to have communion with darkness. It is forbidden for Christ and Bilial to have one accord. It is forbidden for a believer to have part with an unbeliever, and it is forbidden for the temple of God to have an agreement with idols. And so that we not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, we are offered to take Christ's yoke upon ourselves. Not the yoke of the unbeliever, but the yoke of, of Christ upon ourselves, and learn gentleness and a lowly heart from Him, as it is written. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And so when he says, for my yoke is easy, you will experience uh, uh, your uh, great joy because his yoke is God's promises that you will bear upon yourself, waiting for when they will be fulfilled. These are God's commandments that will give you the right, the guarantee that God will fulfill them. But before taking the yoke of Christ upon yourself so that you can learn gentleness and a lowly heart from Him that will allow us not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, it's necessary for us to collaborate our cross with the truth of the cross of Christ so that we break all relationships shown in the five forbiddances above, which are the price that gives us the power to the right to separate ourselves from everything that is unholy. To collaborate your cross with the truth of the cross of Christ means to take your cross and follow Christ, or to fulfill the given to us commandments, just as Christ fulfilled the commandments that were given to Him by His Heavenly Father. And so the cross separates us from everything unholy. The cross separates us from the manufacturer of sin, not the sin itself, but the one that manufactures them, that produces them. Blood cleanses us from any committed sins. But the blood of Christ can't cleanse us from any sin if the cross of Christ is not present. The cross of Christ is the key to what is contained in the blood of Christ. And for this purpose, it is necessary for us to give at least short identification to the, to the list of these things that are forbidden, because not having information about their essence, we will not have any ability to collaborate our holiness with the holiness of God, and our form of sanctification will change then into one that may be similar to those happening in encounters. This demonic uh, uh, teaching, this demonic uh, erroneous interpretation of sanctification and people who receive this and are trying to do this if they will not repent they will perish we need to you need to repent because this is a demonic form of sanctification that has replaced the true essence of sanctification we will keep in mind that all of these requirements needed to have their place amongst that category of people that came out of Egypt and ended up in the wilderness where they needed to perform sanctification in order to meet with God upon Horeb and make a covenant with him that was given to Moses on Horeb. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Leviticus 11.45 According to this essence of the given command, sanctification or separation from all that is not according to the demands of the nature of holiness that is God's is addressed to that category of the nation that came out of Egypt into the wilderness of sanctification. The reason why God gave such a command to this nation consisted in the fact that with them came other nations that they needed to separate from in order to demonstrate the required by God holiness. But as a result, fellowship with these nations in the wilderness then was the cause of Israel dying in the wilderness. Now the mixed multitude, the mixed multitude amongst the nation who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again. 
And so they were, because it says mixed multitudes who were among them, and then it says the children of Israel. So these were other nations together then. And the children of Israel also followed uh, their example and started weeping also. Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes, Numbers 11, 4 through 6. And so the manna was no longer good to them. They didn't want it anymore. They didn't like it. They they called it in a very lowly form, too. Manna is uh, something, the word manna means something lowly, something that isn't uh, likable. Like, what is this? Because it didn't have the flavor of meat or, or, or vegetables of, uh, of any kind or, or watermelon or anything that they were craving. They had the taste of a uh, bread with honey. It's like bread with honey combination that that's and it, they got tired of it and they they were remembering the the bitter things the sweet things the the sour things they they remembered all of these flavors and were craving them but the the babies that were born in the wilderness didn't know the taste of of those foods because they 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 were born in the wilderness they were never in, in egypt and they were surprised by the fact that their parents were crying that they had something somewhere because they ate this manna and they were very happy to eat the manna. This was the only food that they knew. And this, this is a symbol of our new person for whom the word of God is the only food. And for the carnal person, he wants to go back to Egypt to because it's not possible to sanctify ourselves if when our new person because a new person is taking the soul with him and the body and the soul first agrees goes to get, to meet the Lord but then begins to rebel what always this church always need to listen to the word always need to sing do other things uh, can we do anything different uh, some kind of hobby maybe and so it was these foreigners that were weeds from the beginning that grow with us upon the same field we will need to separate from them so that we not die in the wilderness of sanctification fellowship with such a nature of foreigners that all at all times found whims and perverted the essence of the true sanctification makes the nation of God die in the wilderness and so let us look at question one what according to scripture is righteousness that is contrary to lawlessness that is forbidden to have fellowship with because specifically righteousness is called to stand guard of the boundary of holiness. Righteousness that identified the boundary of holiness within the heart of man demonstrates itself in fulfilling the law of the commandments that is implemented within our heart. Therefore, righteousness that is out of the heart does not have the right to be called or be righteousness. Righteousness is God's program for it to become something that is true <clears throat> is God's program for it to be righteousness it needs to be in the heart and be confessed so Abraham confessed with his mouth he and it be, and God counted this, this to him as righteousness specifically fulfilling the commandments of Christ which are the guards that protect the boundaries of holiness within our heart give God the legitimate foundation to live among us and be our God and us to be his nation lawlessness within the heart of a person is violating and rejecting the commandments of Christ by the way of replacing the commandments of Christ 
with your own personal righteousness. They interpret the commandments of God in such a way so that they can eat this garlic, this uh, melons, meat, and so forth to eat the foods of Egypt. But instead of separating from this, a person loses his righteousness because he uh, begins a relationship or has fellowship with such people, these lawless people. After this, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, allied himself with Ahaziah, king of Israel, who acted very wickedly. And he allied himself with him to make ships to go to Tarshish, and they made the ships in Ezion-Geber. But Eleazar, the son of Dadava of Maresh, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you have allied yourself with Ahaziah, the Lord has destroyed your works. Then the ships were wrecked so that they were not able to go to Tarshish. Second Chronicles 20, 35-37 in essence these two kingdoms were one nation the difference between them consisted in the fact that the kingdom of Judah with their godly king Jehoshaphat served the living God within the Jerusalem temple where God lived at the same time the kingdom of Israel together with their king Ahaziah worshipped the two the two uh, golden calves that were that were formed before them that were created by Jeroboam and Jeroboam said in his heart now the kingdom may return to the house of David if these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem then the heart of this people will turn back to their Lord Rehoboam king of Judah and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam king of Judah therefore the king asked advice made two calves of gold and said to the people it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem here are your gods O Israel which brought you out from the land of Egypt and he set up one in Bethel and the other he put in Dan 1st Kings 12 26 through 29 and so that same golden calf that people worshipped in the wilderness and that they dis were destroyed for, if you remember, and that they had to grind into powder and throw into the water and then drink that water so that would be free from this idol worshipping. I trust every one of us already understands that worshipping of the golden calf is idol worshipping and it leads the nation of God which is a, a leads the nation of God into false doctrines that they see as independence from poverty and they think this is walking in faith. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare into, in, into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. 1 Timothy 6, 9-11 through 11. Question 2. What according to Scripture is light that abides within us and that is contrary to darkness? that is forbidden to have communion with, which is within us and is among us in the form of foreigners. And so we see that this is our tolerant uh, 
behavior toward the foreigners. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Matthew 6, 22-24 The light that can be in us and also be darkness at the same time is our life in the flesh. That's trusting upon our intellect that in nature is darkness. In such a state, we will not only not be, we will not only not be any different than the foreigners, but actually will represent these foreigners amongst the nation of God. And so, the true light in a man that makes him a light to the world is having within your heart the two great uh, witnesses that stand before the God of all the earth. This is the Thummim, which is the truth, the elementary teaching of Christ, and the Urim, which represents the rule of the Holy Spirit that reveals in our heart the mystery of the things that are from the Thummim. As soon as the sons of light uh, begin to take a tolerant stand uh, toward those that are foreigners, then they discredit within their heart the virtue of the light, the true light. and in this way exit out from within the boundaries of holiness and condemn themselves to destruction. Question 3. Who according to Scripture is Christ within our heart living within us and the accord that he is forbidden to have with Belial who is among us in the form of a foreigner? Belial or Belial is one of the names identifying Satan, the hater of Christ. In Scripture this name is often linked to the word death and with the word uncleanness, and identifies a unclean and wicked person, useless and perverse person, streams of lawlessness contained in the words of this person, and a useless woman as the daughter of Babylon. In order to pay the price for the right to perform holiness in demonstrating brotherly love in our faith, it is necessary not have any union with foreigners, as the carnal thoughts and desires of the flesh, as well as the unclean and lawless people as well, and their gatherings, that is the wicked woman, which is the daughter of Babylon, that mixes the things of God with the things of man. And in order to Christ to be put into our heart, it is necessary for us in Christ Jesus by the law to die for the law, so that we can be crucified with Christ. As it is written, For I through the law died for the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 2, 19-20 Christ within us is the presence of trust in the future hope that is called to abide within our heart in the form of a promise that is presented in Christ Jesus, the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints, to them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Colossians 1.26-29 
I shall remind us that the in result of Christ living within us, that is our hope upon our calling. We will be able to refuse Belial or anything to do with him. These are the haters of the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ. Only as a result of Christ living within us, we become the temple of God and carriers of His Holy Spirit. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. 1 Corinthians 3, 16, 17. So the temple we are with all of its belongings when we build ourselves into it, when we die by the law, for the law, by the body of Christ, and we have risen in a new form. When we died for our nation, the house of our Father, and for our destructive desires. The result of Christ living within us, we obtain the ability to be transformed into the essence of Christ. My little children, for, for whom I labor and birth again, until Christ is formed in you. Galatians 4.19 The result of Christ living within us, we will possess the ability to seek God within ourselves not run to either organizations of some kind when someone comes to uh, to to speak a word or not run after these people but seek him within yourself with my soul I have desired you in the night yes by my spirit within me I will seek you seek you early Isaiah 26 9 Habakkuk 2.1 I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. The result of Christ living within us, we will possess the ability to find answers in ourselves to our questions uh, and wait to see what the Lord will say and it will come from our spirit into our mind. Responses, answers will come from God. The result of Christ living within us, we examining and testing ourselves, will discover Christ within ourselves. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself, do you not know yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. The result of Christ living within us, we will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and will interpret it with our mouth. 2 Samuel 23, 1-2. Now these are the last words of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse. Thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was on my tongue. He was confessing. He was explaining what was inside of him with his tongue, with his mouth. The scripture said, in Ezekiel it said, Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet, and I heard him who spoke to me. Ezekiel 2.2 2. The Spirit entered me. He heard it inside of himself. When God spoke with me, or the angel that shows a vision, then the Spirit entered me, he says, and put me on my feet. Because seeing this angel, he fell as he as if he were dead, and he was put back on his feet and entered him, and began to speak to him, and he began to hear the voice of God inside of himself, and to hear the voice 
inside of you is when Christ lives in you. The result of Christ living within us, we will experience resurrection in the area of our brokenness. <clears throat> For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones, Isaiah 57, 15. And so the word broken is submerged into the death of Jesus. He was broken in order to be submerged into the death of Jesus. You need to destroy yourself uh, because in the death you die, but you rise in a new form. And God says, I live and work to enliven the spirit to bring it alive he will not bring alive the spirit of one who is not humble thus says the Lord heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool where is the house that you will build me and where is the place of my rest for all those things my hand has made and all these things exist says the Lord but on this one will I look on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word I say 66 1 2 this is another place also confirming this. Isaiah also, this is another place where he uh, talks about this. Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Those, O God, you will not despise. When you put yourself upon the altar, you die. This is that brokenness. When you refuse to avenge yourself, to find your, look for your own, if the Lord has allowed this into my life, I will not be seeking my own. I will not go to defend myself. I will not demand for myself. If the Lord has allowed this, I will overcome it. The word broken means struck, lame, shattered, torn apart, impoverished, saddened, at the point of labor. Jesus called this situation the poverty of the spirit. Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. One who is poor in spirit is one that is in Jesus Christ. He died by the law, for the law died for his nation, the house of his father, and for his destructive desires of the soul. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Psalm 34, 5, 6. Question 4. What, according to Scripture, is a believing person? That is contrary to an unbeliever that it is forbidden for him to have a part with. This unbeliever is among us as a foreigner. Faithfulness as a believer, because a believer here is in the form of faithfulness, in our sanctification is called to identify in the justice of God's judgments when we are looking here at scales and honest weights. You shall do not you shall do no injustice in judgment, in measurement and length, weight, or volume. You shall have honest scales, honest weights, an honest ephah, and an honest hen. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe all my statutes and all my judgments and perform them. I am the Lord. Leviticus 19, 35-37. And so we need to differentiate 
judgments that are faithful and those that are not faithful. The unfaithful uh, uh, judgments is one that is done out of the boundary of their responsibility and an unfaithful judgment is one that is done from the position of their own opinions and senses. And so the judgments of a righteous person done within the boundaries of their responsibility only that they know and the judgment of the righteous is done according to the commandment statutes of the Lord. Because you could say the right things and it could be true but you not don't have any right to and so when we speak the truth but don't have the right to speak uh, the, the truth of something that may have, may have occurred in judgment uh, but we may not have the right to that I speak to all those that uh, all people that when we speak the truth not having the right to speak that about another, then we are as the unfaithful. Indeed, he would have brought you out of dire distress into a broad place. Job became this way. He became, began to be, uh, behave not as one who is uh, righteous in his judgments, but as an unclean in his judgments. And so God tells him, Indeed, he would have brought you out of dire distress into a broad place where there is no restraint, and what is set on your table would be full of richness. But you are filled with judgment, do the wicked. Judgment and justice take hold of you. Because there is wrath, beware lest he take you away with one blow, for a large ransom would not help you avoid it. Job 36.16-18 And so the believer with the unbeliever is when we agree with their form of judgment that is not within their jurisdiction or within their boundaries. Question 5. What according to Scripture is the temple of God within us that is contrary to idols that we are forbidden to have an agreement with, that the foreigners worship that are among us? Everything that we do in all of us, our ways, all of our paths, place on our list of priorities above our relationship with God is an idol above our seeking God, our knowing God is an idol. This could be practicing of spiritual gifts, this could be blessings, this could be prophecies, this could be rebuking demons, this could be evangelism, this could be materialistic prosperity, and so forth. Uh, the scriptures say anything that is to this life. Therefore, put to death your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, covetousness the desire to become rich, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Colossians 3, 5 through 7. And so covetousness is greed, avarice, love for money, greediness, personal greed, corruption, one unable to be satisfied. In root, this Covetousness is the desire to become, the flesh be, desiring to become wealthy. And it demonstrates itself in an unusual desire for uh, popularity, for fame. And they use, unfortunately, revelations that are given to the delegated of God. And so to be able to collaborate with the grown by us fruit of holiness, with the holiness of God, and 
then this allows then God to walk among us and be our God, we need to decide whether we have paid the appropriate price to be able to uh, have the right to holiness to be able to demonstrate this holiness that is God's. Amen. Let us bend our knees and pray. And all those who desire to resist the power of sin that is in their body, fear that's in the body, whatever else that may be in the likeness of this, we wait for you here so that you can prepare your heart to take part in the communion. Amen. Let us pray. I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you. He's not against you. He is ready right now to change your circumstance, your situation to something better. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a sign that they're without doubt or wrath. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I open up my heart, I come to you with my pain, I am bound by sin, I am bound by lust that I hate. May the shackles of sin be destroyed and may the bonds of fear be destroyed. I hate all of this in myself, I reject all these things, I confess them before your face and right now before heaven and hell, I accept into my heart liberty from sin and I pray right now, enter into my heart as the Holy Spirit and be Lord and Master of my life. In the name of Jesus Christ, may all this come upon me and be fulfilled upon me. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His great face and show you mercy. May all of the blessings of heaven, blessing of the everlasting hills, the mountains, and the depths that God has, all of this may be upon you and be upon your children. Amen. This is a surprising revelation that was given to Apostle Paul by Christ himself in a vision. 
Because when Christ was on earth, Apostle Paul was not yet his disciple, but was a hater. But when God called him to make him an apostle, he, Jesus came to him personally and gave him an understanding of this supper that took place. And so he writes these words, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. You see, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you directly, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my broken body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat and drink from this cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, and so we, if we judge ourselves, not our neighbor, but that when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. And so to participate in this great service is something everyone can do if they receive Jesus as their personal Savior and have made a covenant of baptism of water with the Lord. If your heart is free from bitterness, and you have forgiven those who offend you if you confess your sins and receive justification. I will ask everyone to stand and we will pray for the bread. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the broken body that will be passing by your people. And when we will break and eat of it, then may your blessing come upon us and your healing, may it come upon our body. And in this bread that we will eat and take into our body, may all illness and weakness be cursed because of it. We thank you for this life that is in this bread and we worship before you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. And it says, he took the bread, he broke it, and he told them, take and eat, this is my my body broken for you. Every one of us breaks our own bread because this is a sign that our sins crucified him. He came so that he can deliver us from our sins. He died for our sins. And this also speaks of our participation, our, our humility. Jesus revealed himself to them when they broke the bread. When he broke his bread, the disciples saw him. Why did God reveal to Apostle Paul this revelation? Because in this revelation, there is the entire elementary teaching of Christ here. The entire elementary teaching of Christ is here. 
all four of the teachings are contained here. We see the death, we see here the resurrection, here we see the judgment, and here is justification. If we are worthy, uh, then it gives us, and, and we worthily eat, then this will... Uh, this is receiving justification freely by grace, by the redemption of Christ. You receive this freely, and you're not trying to perform certain works or acts to then earn this holiness or righteousness. You're holy in your birth. You were, you came, you confessed your sins, and God, according to his word, has forgiven you and cast your hell and your, your sins into hell. And it, it, regardless of what you're feeling, don't pay attention to what you feel, but what you hear, what you know. We know in whom we have believed. And may the Lord be blessed in this great service where the heavens uh, worship. You put the life of God in yourself when you eat it and drink it. If you will not eat the flesh of the Son of Man, you will not have life in yourself, Jesus said. We receive into ourselves the resurrection of Christ, the stronghold of immortality into ourselves. And we may not feel these things, but we know what we're receiving in our body. This is the stronghold of immortality, of incorruption into our body. Meditate about these things, that you're already receiving it. It's already in you. And in the hour that the Lord will decide, the stronghold of immortality will shown to you so vividly that people will become afraid that surround you. Those right now you need to proclaim the not existent as existence, and it will God will account this to you as righteousness. Meditate about what you do, because those who do not meditate about what they do about the body of Christ, they're not worthily eating of it. You need to meditate about the essence of what you're doing. You receive into yourself the stronghold of and corruption, Jesus himself, into yourself. And so as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. When we proclaim the death of the Lord, then the Holy Spirit receives the proper grounds to erect the stronghold of incorruption in us because resurrection is always the result of death. Why? Did he, we, he want us to proclaim the Lord's death because proclaiming his death, we can then come to resurrection. Being conformed in his death, we can be conformed then in 
his resurrection as well. You receive Christ into yourself and you're doing it physically as you eat his body. You did spiritually, but you also, once it's prayed, it becomes the body of Christ, although we may not feel that it's body, the body of Christ, but it is. And it will work as the life of God in you and in me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes, until he erects the stronghold of life in us. It's already there by faith, but we are still in a time where it can happen at any moment. Right now, let us stand up and we will pray for the cup. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the cup of the covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins, to forgive the sins of many when it shall be passing by your people and we will, taking it and drinking it, may all illness be cursed in our bodies and may your life enter into our bodies. That is the temple of the Holy Spirit and may your resurrection be in our body and our body be clothed into your resurrection into your life which is in this cup we thank you for this revelation we worship before your cup of the new covenant our great god son and holy spirit amen please be seated the road that is approached please stand help one another as you did with the bread the cup is a symbol of christ it is for is one for all generations for all people for as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes As you proclaim the death of the Lord, then the proper foundation is provided to be able to bring forth the stronghold of life in your body, to destroy the works of darkness in your health and deliver you from all kinds of (coughs) sorrow. We here on earth, the time will come we will be freed from all illnesses, from all weaknesses, from all sorrow, all uh, corruption of any kind. And God will bring fear upon these religious sects, these satanic synagogues. Isaiah 53, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? All this happens by listening to the word of God. The scripture says sorrowfully, who has believed our report? That's how it begins with a question. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And as a root out of dry ground, he has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. 
He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. People who follow after Christ will be in the same kind of situation. They will be as nothing and they will be looked down upon. Those that are carnal, those leaders, they will be lifted up greater and greater and greater and they will be called generals of God, unfortunately. And they are not generals of God. They are simply false apostles. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. If there's anyone that may have been accidentally passed by, please stand. If not, I will ask everyone to stand. And we will proclaim our manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen